Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Friends of Friends. I am your host, Brad Whipple here, and it is the new year, 2020. This is our first main show of the new year, and appropriately, I'm bringing on two of my favorite people in the Star Wars community. They are back to talk with me about all things Star Wars and fairy tales. It is the Girls with Sabres. How are you guys doing today? Good. How are you? Very, very happy to have you back, Emerson Luthien. It's been a little bit since our Raylo episode, which was one of our, our top episodes here at Friends of the Force. So hopefully this one will be a big hit with the, the, the young kiddos nowadays listening to these Star Wars podcasts. Yeah, listen to what we say. We're, we're old and we know things. Yeah, and we drink and we know things. And I, By yeah. that I mean I'm drinking a Sprite. <laughs> drink responsibly, children. Just, <laughs> just some root beer. <laughs> I'm drinking some chai tea latte. <laughs> that is ambitious. I almost went with tea, but I knew if I did that, I would be up till probably 2 a.m. in the morning, just, you know, twitching in my bed. <laughs> I had to in order to get some caffeine in my system and uh, not have a headache anymore. So I'm doing it medicinally. Can I, can I say that to justify myself? Yes, I think that works. Anything okay. to get rid of the headache, honestly. It, that's the exactly. important thing here. Well, we are back, and it is it is back to business here at Friends of the Forest. We've had a couple of, of shows here and there. We had Bebo's Book Report, which just wrapped up with Sarah Haas. We've had, from a certain point of view last week, kick us into the new year with an interview with Ken Liu, who wrote The Legends of Luke Skywalker. And now we are back with the main show, which is super, super exciting. And before we begin today, I want to make a quick announcement regarding Friends of the Forest, but moving forward with just the sort of slow down in Star Wars content in general right now. We will be temporarily moving to one episode per week. Um, that sometimes may be more than one episode, could be two or three episodes per week. But as of right now, I'm only guaranteeing just the one episode because I am very tired and I need sleep. And there's oh, not a lot gosh. of things to talk about in the Star Wars universe at this current moment, at least for myself. So that's how things will will kind of be moving forward. But uh, on the plus side, that's going to allow me to do way more research into the episodes I do put out and make them even better quality, such as the one I think is going to is going to be today. I think this is going to be a really quality episode. Yeah. I think a lot of a lot of research went into this one and a lot of fun quotes here that I, I've pulled from from various places. And I'm really excited. So before we begin, do you guys want to give a quick introduction to to what you do with Girls with Sabres for those who might not know you? We are the Girls <laughs> with Sabres. There are two of us. I am Luthien. Emrys is my my co-creator, uh, co-owner of the channel, and we are just two gals flying through this galaxy, making content, loving the mythos, the symbolism, the fairy tales, everything. And we are planning on doing more than just Star Wars, but right now we we fell into the Star Wars galaxy, and that's what we're breaking down and deep diving in. Yeah, we're on YouTube. Yep, we make video edits, we podcast, um, and we do video essays as well. But Love and them. yeah, not just we're not we're just all the things. We're not just one thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you guys are huge Lord of the Rings fans, as myself, and we bring that up every single time we collaborate. <laughs> I'm super super excited to have you back, and we've done a couple of collaborations before. And I think this one will be just, it feels appropriate to ring us into the new year and, and to really start about, start talking about what what the genre is in Star Wars and, and what it truly is. It's not traditional sci-fi. It is a fairy tale. And yes. that's what we're here to discuss today. We're going to be talking about what exactly a fairy tale is, 
how from Star Wars's first conception from the creator himself, it became a fairy tale. Some of the importance of fairy tales in our own lives, whether we are children or we're adults, and also how endings in fairy tales can often go and can often affect us in ways we don't anticipate. So those are all the things that we're going to be talking about within the context of Star Wars. And we may even pull a couple of fun fairy tales that we've grown up with into this conversation. Uh, so stay tuned on that. One I didn't think I'd be talking about on a Star Wars podcast, which involves a very, very, very cute little duckling, in my opinion, in my honest opinion. But that's just me. Well, with that, we're going to get started. So we're going to define what a fairy tale is. So I find it kind of interesting when you think of, of Star Wars in this context. It's never been truly true hardcore sci-fi, and I don't ever think George Lucas envisioned it that way. But when you think of the word fairy tale, from from my point of view, what really determines what a fairy tale is and isn't is the more fantastical and far-fetched elements of of those stories. You, you get like, you know, more of the happily ever afters. They're not necessarily rooted in reality because they are so fantastical and they are so magical in a way that it kind of expands your imagination in a way that you you never felt before. And it's meant to do that. It's meant to take you out of reality and to almost give you a sort of escape from the harsh realities that we face on a daily basis versus something like a legend that is more rooted and uh, it's more rooted in reality and could be true. But when you start to actually merge fairy tales and legends together, you can actually get some of those more once upon a time tales that are rooted in historical truth. And I think that is something that's, that Star Wars does very, very well. What are you, from your point of view, what, what, how would you guys define the, the, the fairy tale genre? I think uh, before I looked up any definition or anything of that nature, to me, fairy tales were something that fed the imagination that would explore what could possibly happen and be. And unlike science fiction, because science fiction, like you said, kind of has the same premise, but science fiction almost explores man's relationship with technology and science, like it um, explores what science, scientific evidence and theory could become and warns us of the inevitable or the possible, where fairy tales are more rooted in magic and more about man's relationship to the unknown and the supernatural um, in, instead of what he could understand, which is the scientific. So to me, I feel like fairy tales are more about transformation more about the power of romance and more about the idealism of what we want and how we view life it's it's to give us hope in in dark times yeah do you have anything to add to that luthien and in, in regards to what Embers was saying in terms of fairy tales are really about giving us hope she said that's a best, concept which is why i let her go first <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she really said it more eloquently than than I could. I I completely agree. Where there's no scientific element to it, like that's not at the the forefront. Um, you, you see that especially when you for take Star Wars, for example. There are certain there's certainly scientific elements, but all of it isn't. You know, it's not holding on to this realistic idea of how things can happen in space. Like, 
there's no sound in space. Things wouldn't blow up like that. Blah, 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 blah. Like it is more rooted into the story and the mythology that is, mm-hmm. that is taking place rather than it's scientific truth here. Right. So as like Emra said, as far as fairy tales go, it's more about the magic, more about the hope, more about the, not that science fiction, science fiction can't be these things. Um, but it's way less technology bound, mm-hmm. I guess you say. So what you're telling me is when I watch Star Wars, I shouldn't be concerned with if bombs can fall in space like that. I should yes. just enjoy it for the real meaningful elements. <laughs> it, it reminds exactly. me... I'm sorry. <laughs> it, it reminds me of a conversation and the commentary of the Lord of the Rings. You know, we'll always go back to the Lord of the Rings. Sorry, but Absolutely. we will. Absolutely. <laughs> Any um, opportunity. <laughs> but uh, John uh, Howe was talking about how a lot of people were talking about how the Felby should not have that amount of wingspan the way that he drew him because it would be impossible for them to fly. And John Howe said, don't be ridiculous. This is a fantasy. This is not National Geographic. <laughs> I can make my Felbies with any amount of, with any length of winds, wingspan that I can because I, as the part of the creator for this film and a person who holds the legacy of Tolkien, I can say that these are the laws of Middle Earth and the laws of Middle Earth can defy the laws of Earth itself. And the same thing with Star Wars. It, it, we can, we as the creators or writers of Star Wars, they can say and do whatever they want because they defy the law or not defy. Um, they define or write the laws of, of the fantastical. Yeah, and that actually is a great segue into Tolkien himself, who I, I think he kind of said what we're saying best when he gave the speech on, on March 8th in 1939. This is a, a long, long time ago. I wasn't even a blip on the radar. And he gave this speech on fairy tales, and he later turned it into an essay called On Fairy Stories. And he talked about fairy stories being this kind of magical story whose main purpose could be either satire or adventure or morality or fantasy. But he says, quote, one thing must not be made fun of the magic itself that must in that story be taken seriously, neither laughed at nor explained away. End quote. So he's really telling you there when you read a fairy tale, you, you shouldn't be questioning the reality you're in. You're really supposed to kind of put your, suspension of disbelief goggles on and really just go to the go to the core of what the story is actually trying to tell you versus trying to focus on those technical aspects like we're saying and in the american film magazine in 1977 lucas kind of echoed some of these sentiments where he said about star wars before it even came out he said it's very surreal and bizarre and has nothing to do with science star wars has more to do with disclaiming science than anything else i don't want the movie to be about anything that would happen or be real yeah. And he said it best. You know, it's I think it's funny nowadays where we sometimes we hear those conversations that are so hyper focused on the logistical aspects and technical aspects of Star Wars and how things work in space and why does this happen? You know, that that's never been explained, but in some ways we kind of just have to sit back and accept the magic that's unfolding before us. Would you would you both agree with that? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, and I definitely agree with that. 
I think uh, C.S. Lewis in uh, The Chronicles of Narnia kind of answers that where Aslan explains to the Pevensies that magic is actually the deep law in Narnia. Like magic is the one that governs how Narnia and that world works. And you can say that in Star Wars, the Force is that magical entity that governs and holds the universe together. So we don't understand it. It cannot be fully explained or uh, let us you know, because they want to keep that mystery, but it's it is magic that holds it. Magic itself is a law, an inexplicable law in these fantastical realms. Mm-hmm. And th- and that's that's truly the beauty of it. It, it defies yeah. all reason. Yeah. And I think that's what really opens our mind to star- something like Star Wars is because, and that's why we can revisit it so often. You know, it's not. It's not rooted. It, it, it's rooted in the more mythological sense of of things that we're familiar with, whether it's the Greek tales or ancient tragedies. But in terms of the actual, you know, the visual aspects of it, everything feels just so over over the top when you first watch Star Wars. I mean, when you first get in that theater, and there's this giant, massive starship flying over the screen, and next thing you know, you're you have this guy in this dark black suit talking to this this princess in this white dress and everything does feel truly like a fairy tale in that moment that's just like the first five minutes of star wars it's it's absurd when you think about it but when you really get into it and you really attach yourself to the story it it just it it hits you in a way that you don't expect and i think that's the beauty of of the fairy tale genre in something like a a star wars that's that is more science scientific in a way or sci-fi the way that you know flash gordon was or the old Buck Rogers movie serials, you know, with the hero's journey on top of all of that. I think it's hard for adults to remember that no child, majority of children, I should say, you could have like the most intellectual child going, it wouldn't blow up like that in outer space, but the majority of children would not sit in a fairy tale and question some of the things this fandom, this adult fandom, has been questioning. We we forget about the magic. Well, first of all, it's why we love Star Wars, to name a movie. It's why we love the Star Wars franchise, period. Even into adulthood, it's because it reminds us of how we felt as children. The majority of this adult fandom has seen Star Wars as a child. And it's carried on in that fandom has carried on into their adulthood. It's it's like um the Polar Express, where you know the kid doesn't believe in Santa anymore and he doesn't hear that bell ringing until the very end of the spoilers, till the very end of the film, and he finally hears the bell because <laughs> he believes. And it's the same thing. Like people are going too deep into what is, you know, in this world possible. Like you can't equate real world things to a fantasy. Mm-hmm. You just can't. It's it's never going to measure up to you because everything's going to be wrong. Like check the real world at the door because the Star Wars, a galaxy far, far away, Middle Earth, Narnia, it ain't it. It doesn't yep. play by the same rules. So just let the magic be the magic. Let let 
the the bombs fall on a, a star destroyer let you know let things do their their thing i mean let a ship ram into another ship at light speed like it, <laughs> yeah it just it doesn't play by the same rules and kids aren't going to care kids yeah. don't care i didn't sit watching a new hope with a stars destroyer going over my head going oh my god like none of this could be earthly possible i went mm-hmm. oh my god this is amazing and i'm i'm nine i made her nine years old watching this like yeah so let's still have that childlike wonder when it comes to fantasy or science fiction to be quite honest i mean mm-hmm. Well, it's very similar to what uh, John Cocteau, um, who directed the, did he direct it? Yeah, directed the 1946 Beating the Beast film, where the prologue says he invites the viewers to be children again, to like put a, put aside their their rationale and their realism, and accept the fact that the heart of a man could reside in the in the the skin of a beast i mean like you have to put your realism by the door and watch fairy Mm -hmm. tales with the magic of childhood just as luthien was saying yeah and and speaking more too on on tolkien it's funny that we're we're talking about tolkien again with with star wars but (laughs) it's it's pretty incredible because he's he's saying all the same things that we're saying and in the speech he mentions that children don't actually they don't understand these fairy tales no more than adults do. Yeah. And it's, it's almost like this, he describes it as this appetite that we have. That's kind of innate to ourselves as soon as we're born. And for, for like when you're a child, it's just all this artificial stimulus, you know, and, and, but you're, you're taking it in and you're developing this taste for the fairy tale, for these stories that are going to live with you forever. But, that taste doesn't actually decrease as you age. It actually increases. It actually gets stronger. But the beauty of it is that no matter what age you are, these these things can still speak to you on the same level as if you were four or if you're 40. Yep. And that's the beautiful part of it. And that's why I think Star Wars does so well and why it has survived so many generations. And it, it's why it was brought back into pop culture is because Lucasfilm and Disney recognized the chance to retell this the story for a new generation and it would work. There's going to be a whole generation of kids that grow up in the next 15 to 20 years where the sequel trilogy was their first fairy tale, their first star Wars fairy tale. And it's going to be just as near and dear to their heart as, as the original trilogy is for many, many people who are in their forties or fifties. And it's crazy to me to think about a kid growing up, and Ben Solo being like as much of a household name as Darth Vader, you know, like isn't that kind of crazy to think about in some ways? And that's how far we've come in this franchise. Ben Solo yeah. all the way. Absolutely. <laughs> Obviously, in fifteen to twenty years, he'll be back to life. But that's a different. That's a different <laughs> podcast. Hope a little less. Let's hope a little less. <laughs> but let's let's, hope, let's go let's back to where let's go back to where it all began. So. George Lucas himself, simply put, I wanted to tell a fantasy story. That's what he wanted to do with Star Wars. He made THX 1138. That's his his first film. It comes out in 1971. And he realized after he made it that it was about, it was almost like too real. It was like too real 
in regards to the problems we were actually facing in our real lives. And he he talked about how we're always in this constant state of frustration, but that when you watch THX, you might be more depressed than you were before. So he's mm-hmm. like, I want to make a film that gets rid of those frustrations. So then he goes on to make American Graffiti, which comes out in 1973. It's one of the most successful films financially of all time. Made, all, I think, 160 times its budget. It's huge, hugely successful. And that sets Lucas up to make Star Wars. Again, he he, realize, he realizes that he still wants to make yet another film, kind of like in the spirit of, of American Graffiti, because with American Graffiti, it kind of appealed to this lost generation of teenagers in the, in the 1960s. And he wanted to take that one step further and find that lost generation of children. The children that he says were growing up without any kind of fairy tales. And he says that needs these kids need fairy tales in their life. It's important for society. And he talks about that in, in the book Skywalking, written by Dale Pollock in 1983. And he takes Buck Rogers, he takes Flash Gordon, he takes Joseph Campbell's mythological hero's journey. He mixes it all together into this pot, this melting pot of, of, of story, and he comes out with Star Wars. And in that same American film magazine interview, he says, rather than do some angry, socially relevant film, I realized there was another relevance that is even more important. Dreams and fantasies. Getting children to believe there is more to life than garbage and killing. Once I got into Star Wars, it struck me that we had lost all that. A whole generation was growing up without fairy tales. You just don't get them anymore. And that's the best stuff in the world. Adventures in far off lands. It's fun. And he describes Star Wars before it's even coming out as this like ridiculous over the top thing. It has rebellion, interplanetary wars, doomsday machines, spice, space pirates, black knights, magic and sorcery, death stars, mystical happenings, killer <laughs> satellites, medieval weaponry. It's crazy. It sounds ridiculous. And it's like, who thought this movie was ever going to work? Like, who would have thought? Not me. And it worked. It worked. <laughs> Might as well have thrown unicorns and elves in there and I would have still seen it. <laughs> you sounded just like, I hate to, uh, I, I'm saying this as the most sincere compliment. You sounded just like Belle in the prologue where she goes, a prince in disguise. <laughs> He's opening the book. I mean, I could just hear Lucas saying that because when we, we describe fairy tales to each other, like the fairy tale that we we they haven't read we say that we say like this has elves and hobbits and dragons and you know spells and elves that can mm-hmm. me read moon runes and Witches. and that's what, yeah. yes and that's what you know bell says like she was like i can't believe you haven't read this book it's like with a beanstalk and an ogre and a princess a prince in disguise and i mean that's how that's how enthusiastic we all feel about these fairy tales and myths in our life is because each detail, each layer of the fantastical is just so, it just feeds the enthusiasm of life. I think like I can't go to sleep. I have to be careful. I cannot watch Dr. Who <laughs> before I go to bed. Cause I can't, I can't go to sleep. And the same thing with like a really good Star Wars film or a really good film is it just inspires so much thought and imagination that I have to be careful. I can't watch it before bedtime or all the hard time settling down and go to sleep. Like, I mean, I guess I'm a kid. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all? Isn't that all, what stimulus. we're all trying to do in life is to just reclaim our youth as kids? Because in essence, fairy tales do remind us of our childhood. 
It reminds us of that familiarity when we didn't have to pay bills. We didn't have student loan debt. We didn't have to pay a mortgage. uh, We didn't experience heartbreak. We didn't experience any of those things as kids for the most part. And it brings us back to that, that state of adolescence and, and, and youth. And it it feels good when we watch star Wars. That's why it feels so good. Like at the point we're in our lives now. So Luthien, what do you think? with like why did star wars work so well for this this generation when it came out because you read pretty much anything and this movie was bound to fail like everybody thought this movie was going to fail you had the ilm crew in california sitting outside kicking the soccer ball around taking ice cold baths in a in a tub outside and fox crew the fox executives are driving up going who the hell are these people like what are they doing they're just blowing up these props and doing these ridiculous things and they look like, you know, like they don't look like they're meant to be in Hollywood. Like, what are they doing? And then you get this film that's just the greatest phenomenon of all time. I think that's exactly it. You had this perfect storm of it being the right, like end of the decade into a new decade. You had, like George said, he made it in a time where no new fairy tales were being told. Yeah, we had, you had Snow White and Sleeping Beauty and, you know, that sort of thing coming out of, of Disney, but there was this stagnant period and so much was going on in the real world. And then you had this, ragtag group of people not really caring just going you know what let's make this let's have fun with it plus the technology the up-and-coming technology they use to make this it's nothing it's like nothing anyone had ever seen before and some of it you watch it some of it still holds up in its own crazy way um it it just it works. Um, it's also the writing was, there was camp to it, but there's something about Kasdan. Kasdan, I, I feel, exuded that, that Star Wars um, banter back and forth where it was just enough for a kid to understand and laugh at, and it was enough for an adult to understand and and laugh at and and get it. And again, the it was a perfect storm of everything coming together and just clicking. You had the the trio of of Carrie, Mark, and and Harrison, and I and I love it that they they were formed into the trio before they were hired. So if one, like if one of them didn't work, the whole trio wouldn't have worked. And there was like another trio up to be Luke, Leia and Han, um, which is gnarly to think about, but you know, they did their testings and screenings and all that. And the three of them just worked well together. And then that was the trio we got. It's just everything. I, and I think it and it and it had that wonderful magic because of Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. 
It's a journey that even in the real world, we can all relate to man or woman, like gender aside, we can, everyone can relate to that in some shape or form. And even though that wasn't, you know, explained to a T in Star Wars, I think that's why it it had a wonderful magic to it. Because even though we had a male protagonist and, and, and Leia in her own way, definitely was a, a, a female protagonist, but she wasn't forefront like Luke was. I mean, this was truly Luke's journey. Everyone could relate to that in some way. Everyone had that yearning for something more. Oh, I'm stuck on this sand planet and I have to go to Tosh Station to pick up some power converters. But, <laughs> you know, I just want more for my life. Mm-hmm. Everyone can relate to that. Um, it, it's magical for for little kids. It's magical for adolescents. It's magical for teenagers who are just 17, 18, wanting something more. And they see Luke Skywalker stare into <laughs> the twin sunset. Mm-hmm. And go, God, I can relate to that. It's magical. It's magical for for so many people. And it sticks with you. Why? Because your hero's journey through life never truly ends. That's why mm-hmm. it's it's and you always see something new when you watch it and it's so nostalgic. And it's one of those things that, you know, bef- before streaming and you know, before DVDs, you couldn't just pop it in. So when it, you know, came on TV, like I'd always just have it on. I've seen this movie probably a hundred times, but it's one of those things that's comforting too. It's like coming home. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just resonates with you. You you remember where you were when you first saw it. It's that's half the battle of being a fairy tale is being that being that profound in somebody's life that that person remembers where they were when they first watched it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, Lucas, Lucas said, I was trying to get fairy tales, myths and religion down to a distilled state, studying the pure form to see how and why it worked. Yep. That right there is the quote. That's why star Wars sticks with us. It's, it's everything. Lucas just didn't make a movie to make a movie that was flashy and pew pew. And yes, you can definitely attach to Star Wars in that way, and I, I certainly probably did on, on, on a surface level as a kid, but like subconsciously, it was, it was giving me, the, me these morals of good versus evil, right versus wrong, in the context of these characters, in the context of, of Luke Skywalker and Leia and Han Solo, all who have different motivations but still fight mm-hmm. for the right cause, and that's why it works. And when you look at something like the hero's journey, it talks about. In the, in the Hero with a Thousand Faces, it talks about supernatural wonder and fabulous forces, mysterious adventures, the power to bestow boons on his fellow man. Like all these really like out there terms, you know, like fabulous, <laughs> like yeah. supernatural. And that's why Star Wars sticks with us right when we see it for the first time. It's it, it, it truly like what Lucas did. I, I can't emphasize enough. And, and, and you guys have been saying it as well is like he changed every single story we've ever been told the impact that star Wars had on our pop culture is something that will be felt forever. It is, it is going to be 
the types of stories we look at back in the day from Mark Twain and Mary Shelley and all these other authors who have created works that still to this day we study and and look to for guidance in creating the next generation of stories. And it's 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 incredible. And before we get really into the actual nitty-gritty fairy tale elements of Star Wars, I'll, I'll give one more quote here from Harrison Ford. He's even said, and Harrison Ford's like the grumpiest guy you know, right? Like he <laughs> wants Han Solo to get killed. Like, kill Han Solo. I don't want to play him anymore. Get rid of them. Only took him 30 years to finally do it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> And he said in 2015, before The Force Awakens came out on the Jonathan Ross show, I don't think of Star Wars as science fiction, really. What I understood about it was from the context of the characters that I was one of a kind. I was one kind of a fairy tale setting. You had a wise old warrior in Al Guinness. You had the callow youth in Mark Hamill and the beautiful princess Carrie Fisher and the smart ass, obviously referring to himself. (laughs) And if we haven't convinced you enough that Star Wars is a fairy tale, the franchise literally began with the words a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. That is a fairy tale yep. opening. That is the once upon a time version that Lucas instilled in his Star Wars universe. And that's why it works. That's why people were captivated. They were literally captivated from the first words on the screen. They were bought in immediately if they weren't when they had seen the previews. That's all they needed. That's brilliant. So talking, that's that's one element of why Star Wars is a fairy tale. The long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. I would say some other elements of it. I think most importantly, and I always say this, is Star Wars is a love story. And it's Valentine's Day, folks. If you're listening, this is Valentine's Day. What better Happy way Valentine's to be spending Day. Valentine's Day than to be podcasting or listening to a yeah. podcast, especially for you single folks. Shout out. So... <laughs> Star Wars is a love story. We get Padme and Anakin, we get Han and Leia, and we get Ben Solo and Rey. And yes, that's canon. <laughs> it is canon now. We can say that is canon. Yes. It's great. It's a great feeling, guys. Since the last time you were on here, we couldn't say that. Now we can say it. Raylo is canon. They kiss. They love each other. Deal with it. Deal with it, folks. Sunglasses, come on. Deal with it. Yeah. Whether it's uh, not even a romantic relationship, just a familial relationship, we all seek belonging. We seek belonging with friends even. And we need that kind of love in our life, whether it be, again, romantic or platonic. And I think that is so, so important. And, And Star Wars being set, again, in this rooted in this kind of historical way with the Empire being very similar to the Nazis you know, in a post-World War II world and during a Vietnam era and having the farm boy and having the princess and having all these different characters that 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 seek love and love is kind of what disrupted the galaxy is is pretty moving. It's pretty, it, it's what makes Star Wars Star Wars, in my opinion. Yeah. It, it's interesting that you said, um, it, you know, how it was for the generation of whose parents went to World War II. Because if you look at the fairy tale that that generation had, it was Wizard of Oz. Um, that was like the big movie that helped people pull away from that. If you go back to like, I was watching, oh, what is that uh, documentary? Like Empire of Dreams. And 
Mark Hamill is basically comparing himself to Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. That she was this farm girl from Kansas and then she swept away into this magical land. And that's what you have. You have... um, this love story of, of, of friendship and family of Dorothy meeting the Tin Man and the Scarecrow and um, the Cowardly Lion. And that's basically who Luke meets. <laughs> you know, he meets not the love of his life, but he meets the family, which carries him through this adventure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and even to thinking to you're saying fighting for family and fighting for love, I think to, to Rose's quote in The Last Jedi is not about fighting what we hate but saving what we love yeah that's like the very first battle in star wars is they're not they're not i mean yes they do blow up a a battle station full of millions of people (laughs) so it's a little uh the optics there luke aren't aren't great but they're they're say they're they're fighting to save people they're fighting to save a cause to save to save the ones that they do love and if that's not the most basic survival instinct in in humanity i don't know what is you know it's it's saving the people around us it's fight or flight you know when people we love are threatened we want to save them it's why anakin wants to save padme it's why ben solo goes to the depths of exegol and saves ray and looks her in the eyes and takes that damn legacy saber like a champ it's why han solo goes to bring their son home he makes a sacrifice for leia He's the one that needs to do it. He doesn't want Leia to have to make that sacrifice. Yeah. He takes it. And that's tragic. But again, it's he's saving what he loves. He knows what it's going to end up as. And the Skywalker saga, when you look back on it, is a story of self-sacrifice. As tragic as it is to say, that's kind of what they've always been doing. And, you know, I'm, again, I, I'm on the, the, the not fan of Tross side of things, but trying to battle with what the Skywalker saga did tell us. I think that's, that's what it is. I think, I think they, they just made the necessary fa- sacrifices that they had to and, and showed the power of love. And again, that, that speaks to the star Wars, star Wars fairy tale. And the Gandalf quote, which really is fitting because we always bring it back to Lord of the, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> the most Naturally. This, this, quote from the hobbit true um it it speaks not only to the characters but to the people watching and reading and and being immersed in this world um when he says to bilbo you'll have a tale or two to tell when you come back and bilbo says you can promise that i'll come back and gandalf goes no and if you do, you will not be the same. I love that that, quote. that that just speaks to everyone, characters and the fans. Mm-hmm. You will not be the same after this, for good or for bad. Mm-hmm. It's such a wizard thing to say, <laughs> <laughs> too. And it's it it really uh, it would have been dope to hear Maz say that at some point, like. Oh. <laughs> Just yeah, say it to Ray in The Force Awakens. Yeah, yeah. She does say some but version of it, you know, the belonging you seek is ahead. She, yep, she definitely has her own version, uh, yeah. her own Gandalf moments. But, and I wish we would have seen more of her in The Rise of Skywalker. But I, I just want to hit on something you said, Brad. That, that is 
more profound than a lot of people even realize. Han Solo was still the catalyst for his son's change. He went out there thinking, gosh, what good am I going to do? Like, I'm no Luke Skywalker. I don't have the force. But he went out there as a father to his son, and he was still the catalyst for his son's change. He was still that spark. Yes, we make the the analysis that, oh, Ben and Ray, and Ray did this, and even with Leia, but but Han, he's the first one to go out there and put himself out there and go, Ben, you're my son, and I love you, and we want you to come back. Like, we'll take you. Open arms. Like, all is forgiven. We just want you to come back. And look, yes, Kylo Ren, Ben Solo, killed his father, but it split him to the bone. And immediately afterwards, you see Leia sit down. And not only is she, like, because she can't keep her feet. You see that, and we come to find out in subsequent interviews, that not only is she doing that, because she feels in the force that Han is dead, but she feels the regret and anguish her son feels in that moment. And it's too much for her to handle. She feels his pain and agony over what he just did. And I wish that was more conveyed in the films. Like I, when you, when you read that, that that's what she felt. And I, it was either in the novel or in interviews, but once, uh, deeper dived fan understands what's happening you look back and you're like oh yeah i can see that now but that's only because we know like half this fandom doesn't know that that's why leia sat down they only think leia sat down is because oh my god my my estranged husband's dead like (laughs) yeah you know you just had a father walk out and sacrifice himself for his son it's it's very powerful but ben was never the same after that and I think I think Han Solo knew what he needed to do. He, you know, oh, he God, says, yeah. I'll, I'll help you anything. I'll do yep. anything you need. Yep. And in that oh, moment, yeah. they have that that kind of silent exchange. And in my headcanon is Han Solo's like, I'll let you kill me because yeah. I know I will always be with you. Just like Luke says yep. in The Last Jedi, I will always be with you if you kill me because you're going to feel that regret. Because if you don't kill me, you're going to kill thousands of other people with no sort of remorse. But when you kill your own father, that's a life-changing metamorphosis experience. Well, it's Just like Anakin killing Padme in a way. I mean, he didn't directly kill her, but the thought that he killed her changed him forever. He was obsessed with it. It's such a Gandalf uh, meeting encountering the Balrog moment, too. Like, where where was that encounter? On a bridge. And Gandalf sacrificed his life so the Fellowship could escape and and get to Lothorian. So, and you have that same parallel. He, um, Han, died on that bridge and went into that chasm. But he returned again, sort of like a Han the White. (laughs) You know, (laughs) Making peace and and guiding his son back on his journey. Like, look, I sacrificed my life um, because I love you. And Kylo Ren is still dead. Ben Solo is alive. And Ben was able to repeat that moment and do what he should have done on that bridge. He should have. He was about to just give his saber and, and submit it over to Han. But 
he didn't. He let his dark side again take over where it was beautiful that he could reenact on the rise of Skywalker because he threw the saber instead and therefore baptized his cracked spirit so he could be reborn as Ben Solo. So it's just this beautiful parallel of the saving wizard. I mean, even Han in The Force Awakens acts as the wizard or acts as the wise mentor on the monomyth cycle for Ray, he's the one that tells her, you know, the force is real and describes to her the supernatural that she's about to encounter as she moves to the extraordinary, um, the extraordinary. So really Han is not a literal wizard, but he's the metaphorical wizard and acts, acts on, acts as the wizard in the sequel trilogy. Probably my favorite part of the rise of Skywalker is that scene. And you bring up Gandalf the White. I need somebody to write the fic where Han Solo returns with a full white beard and, and white robes, just like Gandalf. <laughs> somebody write that, please. I, I I'll read it. I'll give you oh the upload on Archive of Our Own. I'll do anything you want. Just please write it. <laughs> yeah. Super down for Han's it. Solo yeah, the worst you... wizard ever. <laughs> and uh, look, I mean, from Han's, from Harrison Ford's mouth, it was in the documentary of The Force Awakens, The Cinematic Journey. He says, I want to be a living sacrifice for Adam Driver's character. <laughs> living <laughs> sacrifice. Like, I wish people who went on and on about how he killed his father, thus he can never come back, would have looked at that um, more behind the scenes explanation to, to see that there is a larger story developing behind the father's death. And it wasn't just an act of patricide, although that is horrible. And but it, it, it was to serve as a larger story. It was a sacrifice that that father willingly took. Mm hmm. It's extremely poetic, and Star Wars is a tra tragedy. It is a fairy tale, but it is a tragedy. And yes, I would have loved my my true happily ever after, and I'm still grappling with that. But there are so many tragic elements to this franchise already when you think about it. And it's the story of Ben Solo. I think is one that will be told for ages still, regardless of of where he ended up. I think his story is still so important in the context of today's world, especially. And I I want to bring up to this kind of parallel I made when we're on the topic of, of fairy tales. Speaking of Ben Solo, this was last night. Emo hours had started. Rise of Kylo Ren number three was out. <laughs> the whole day. Like, stop tearing my heart apart, Charles Soul. Come on, man. And I'm sitting up at night and I'm trying to think, like, how does the sequel trilogy really besides again that traditional love story that we're talking about that is so crucial to fairy tales what else about this 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 sequel trilogy really feels like a fairy tale and the best thing i could compare it to and it took me a moment to have this this realization is it is the sequel trilogy is the ugly duckling it is the yeah. ugly duckling <laughs> and for those of you who might have not ever read this story one i, I apologize go read it right now you can still it's read beautiful. it as an adult as we've said adults can read fairy tales too it's a Danish fairy tale from 1843 written by Hans Christian Andersen. And it's about the spoiler alert for the ugly duckling, by the way. Spoiler <laughs> alert. <laughs> it's about this young duckling who was born and everybody, every duckling around it says it's ugly, verbally and physically abuses this ugly duckling. 
And the ugly duckling leaves home. It starts to wander the world and try to find new homes. But everywhere that it goes, it keeps getting turned away or something keeps happening. And it goes through the gruesome winter seasons and the stormy nights and it can never find its true home. And eventually it finds a pack of swans. And the ugly duckling doesn't want to live a life of solitude anymore. And this is a this is a quote from the original ugly duckling. So it's a little more grim. It's very different versions of this yeah yeah this is not your son's ugly duckling what i'm about to read so bear with me (laughs) not safe for work no it is safe for work but the ugly duckling says i will fly to those royal birds he exclaimed and they will kill me because i am so ugly and dare to approach them but it does not matter better be killed by them than pecked by the ducks beaten by the hens pushed about by the maiden who feeds the poultry or starved with hunger in the winter And the ugly duckling duckling walks over to the swans and says, kill me, said the poor bird. And he bent his head down to the surface of the water and awaited death. That is not the version you want to read to your kids. Let me be very, very clear. (laughs) And the swans actually take him in with open arms. And when the duckling, ugly duckling looks into the water and in its reflection, it actually sees a beautiful swan. It was a swan the entire time. Mm -hmm. And... The, the swan, the ugly duckling, now a swan, says he now felt glad at having suffered sorrow and trouble because it enabled him to enjoy so much better all the pleasure and happiness around him. And then the, the, the swan says to himself, I never dreamed of such happiness as this while I was an ugly duckling. And I was thinking about it and I was like, Ben Solo is the ugly duckling of the sequel trilogy because he's grown up, he's abused, he's... Uh, as we've seen in Rise of Kylo Ren number three, which is why I was thinking about this yesterday, his fellow Padawan Jedi kind of all looked down on him as the more powerful and they're kind of envious of him and jealous of of his kind of privilege that he had as the son of Han Solo and the and the, and the uh, nephew of Luke Skywalker. He was kind of the pride, uh, the prodigy of, of the next generation. And he started to feel more isolated and alone. And that's what led him to Snoke and the Knights of Ren, etc., along with the Pal- the Palpatine influence. And he wanders helplessly in life. And I personally don't think, you know, the, I don't think he has his true swan song, as I would I would call it. You know, he doesn't get that true fairy tale ending because he does, unfortunately, pass away. But even for that, just that brief moment, the, the kiss with Ray is that pleasure that he finally gets to enjoy, but it's all the more better because of what he went through. It's all the more happier because of all the hardship he's had to experience he's finally for the one time in his life has experienced like pure happiness and that's why we see him smile in his dying moments is because he's now the beautiful swan he was he always tried to be he was always the ugly duckling (laughs) the the odd man out but now he's the beautiful swan that's my story that's that's it that's the tea everybody i'm not okay Okay, I have to say a couple of things because I love, first, I love this, Brad. Like, I I adore this parallel that you found in your emo hour. Like, I have REM in my head now because of you. (laughs) 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 But um, one thing that I really, Hans Christian Andersen was one of my absolute favorite um, fairy tale writers. And um, he is believed to be on the autism spectrum. 
So that's why he wrote so many stories of someone who is odd or left out looking in and not being able to follow the pattern of society that people wanted to put him to be put in. So um, you have that, you have that really misunderstood man as Han Christian Anderson, who, who was, I think if he watched the rise of Skywalker and watch the sequel trilogy, he would say, yeah, I'm Ben Solo. I know what it's like to be the black sheep. I know what it's like when everyone tells you that there's um, something that, that you don't belong. And you see that even in the little mermaid, you know, he wrote also the little mermaid of Ariel pining and wanting to be where the humans are and wanting to be part of this world so you see that theme that he had intertwined in his books. But what is beautiful, and it's going to sound like a huge promo for the Girls with Sabres, but if you forgive me, Brad, I'm going to go ahead and say oh, it. please. Uh, it's called Friends of the Force for a reason. Promote yourselves as much as you like. Um <laughs> <laughs> The Ugly Duckling is also a resurrection, redemption Easter story. That you have this duckling who is different than the others, who's this black sheep. Well, he's willing to die. Um, He's, like, willing to say, like, I, you know, if I can't be accepted or loved, then, you know, have at it. Well, he pretty much lays down his life. But instead, he looks in the the mirror, he looks in the water, and he's transformed. Um, and that's what, you know, that's what the resurrection story is, is. You lay your life down, and then because of that sacrifice, because of that ability to say, you know, I'm... I, I want to be part of you. Uh, he, you know, he he transforms into this beautiful swan um, that is beheld by all the other, um, the, all the other birds of the water as well. And that's not just me. <laughs> I mean, but it is it is like an Easter story. It's it's yeah. the, the change. It's a new life. And so that's why so many of us wonder if Ben Solo will live again because he was the ugly duckling for most of his story. But what if in Exegol he will return as the beautiful swan, the one that is transformed and the one that will um, be admired by the galaxy and be known to the galaxy for what he accomplished in Exegol and who he is for Ray. Absolutely. His his ending again is still is so tragic for me personally, and that's something that I've I've still cr- tried to deal with myself because he's my favorite Star Wars character, and yeah, I don't think he truly got to live out that life of happiness. And I know it would have taken a, a very long time for people to accept him back into the fold with open arms. No one's saying that you know he would have left Exegol and everyone would have been throwing him yeah. a beard or shotgun happily. Yeah. You know, like that's not how yeah. it was gonna go. But there's something pretty beautiful to be said about living with the mistakes that you've made, but also still trying to have that swan song and to live that life and those pleasures and those happiness, that those moments of happiness and really experience that once you're through the thick of it. And so for me, part of why I personally feel the, the myth isn't fully complete is because he didn't get to live that out, similar to how Anakin yes. never got to live. You know, Anakin had his whole life grieving for Padme and he died and he's like you know you've already saved me Luke I'm good I don't need to live on anymore like you've already done that for me but for Ben Solo I feel like 
yes, he was saved, but he still needed, he had a lot more to accomplish after his death. He had a lot more to atone for and to wander the galaxy and kind of even the scales in a way. So that that's, that's why I feel like it's not fully complete. But again, I, I think you're right, Emrys. This He is the ugly duckling. Like he's always been an ugly duckling in his story. And I think that's why I've related to him, you know, and that's, yeah, I'll feel like outsiders at some point in our life. And I think that's why he's a relatable character. I've pulled another Lord of the Rings quote from my brain space. (laughs) Absolutely. To to help, since we're we're discussing all this, like all of it's coming, like flooding back going, I'm your first fandom. I'm your first fandom. Like it's, it's crazy up in this, this, this big old brain of mine. Uh, But the minute you said, I'm still, I'm still despairing over or Ben Solo's fate. Um, my brain went, I can help. And it pulled another quote from the Lord of the Rings. And of course it's Gandalf because he is ever so wise. Um, it is not despair for despair is only for those who see the end beyond all doubt. We do not. Gandalf hitting us with the emo feels again. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were going to read the White Shores quote, and I was like, nope, going to go cry now, <laughs> but still going to go cry. <laughs> I could do that, too. I don't know that one by heart, but, uh, yeah. yeah, it is not despair, for about, despair about quote? only for those who see the end beyond all doubt. We do not. Yeah. So what do you think, Luthien, that means to you in, in the context of, of, of Star Wars, in particular, even if you want to go, you know, talk about Ben Solo, but just in a larger, larger scheme of it? The end is never finite. It it is Yoda and Luke and and Anakin living living on in the Force, like becoming even more powerful than they were as as living Jedi. Um, as far as Ben Solo is concerned, um, yes, we saw him fade. But we did not see him as a force ghost. We know he wasn't, Adam Driver was never filmed as a force ghost. So I, I truly, truly believe that Disney for sure, possibly even Lucasfilm themselves, and I, I sound like a broken record because I've said this on our own channel and other channels too, but I'm going to say it here as well just to hit up another channel. Uh, <laughs> everyone underestimated the power of Ben Solo. Mm. And how, even as Kylo Ren, how this character as a whole would resonate with so many people. For, forget about the people who just think he's an emo crybaby. Look at it what the love for this character has done after the rise of Skywalker. It is bananas, bananas. And that has to be addressed. That that's something that cannot be just swept under the rug. So it's not despair for despair is only for those who see the end beyond all doubt. We don't know that this was the end truly it wasn't even it hasn't even been acknowledged it wasn't acknowledged in the film and it certainly hasn't been acknowledged by anyone else yet 
unless, you know, we're all just kind of waiting tooth and nail to, you know, or like biting our nails to see what the novel is going to say and how the novel is going to reference this. But until that happens, it is very plausible that Ben Solo could be alive. And I'm not despairing. So many (laughs) people are just like, they're so crushed and yeah, it's fake and it's in space and it's fiction, but all these characters, Gandalf, Frodo, Ben Solo, the Pevensies, you know, Harry Potter, name another one. It's all out there. I mean, they hit us so deeply and profoundly because we take the time to, we invest so much of our time. We invest the time to to read these novels and to watch these films. And you can't help but care about these characters like you you would almost care for another human being. It's mm-hmm. that deep. It's that profound. It's meant to be that deep and that profound. Yeah. People who can just say, no, it's it's not that deep. It is. It is. It is that deep. Yeah. Everything we've talked about so far has literally said that. I mean, go back to that yeah. Lucas quote. He talked about religion. He wanted social yep. psychology in this movie. He wanted mythology. He wanted uh, fairy tales. It's everything. You don't make this out of nothing. You yeah. get source it, materials it, and you take yeah. what resonates with people and it works. Mm-hmm. We got to think about, you bring up an excellent point about a lot of the discourse I, I've heard since the rise of Skywalker, which I can't believe it's only been two months. It's felt like 20 years. Oh, I think I'm sh- growing God, gray God. hairs, honestly. I see a lot of people say it's just a movie. Relax. Are you really going this nuts over a fictional death? I see that kind of discourse and it hurts. Yeah. And I think just, you know kind of like a nice step back here and a, a little lesson I think we can all take away. I hope, you know, many of the people that don't listen to the show kind of follow in that discourse, but just when you see it around to kind of have you think about those sort of words being thrown around, I think it's important to realize that everybody deals with trauma in their lives in different ways. Sometimes that means attaching ourselves to a character to the point where they are real to where we can't, we can't distinguish between reality and, and fantasy and, I think of Bohemian uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Is this just life? Is this just fantasy? And <laughs> <On the> landslide. <laughs> escape from re- okay. We're gonna Reality. sing the whole song. Keep going. We can't. Can't. We can't do it. <laughs> so you have to realize that certain people, myself included, really, really attached to Star Wars. And for me, Star Wars is my, has been my whole life. It's something that I've been, I've turned to in moments of depression anxiety it's something i've been bullied for profusely in my entire life it's something that i have made a lot of friends through it is very very near and dear to my heart for some people out there it's literally something that they use as a mechanism to get through the day to get through their life and to forget things that have happened to them and that might include grieving over a fictional death death of a character that has really really impacted them and given them hope so just kind of remember out there if if just think about the weight of the words of it's just a movie relax that that you know you never know what the person on the other end of that tweet or that message or that dm is experiencing in their own life so i think it's all good for us in 2020 to be more sympathetic to 
really understand what other people are going through, to hear other perspectives and to not not doubt or to not diminish feelings of other people. And that's that's going to kind of lead us into our next segment here on the importance of fairy tales. But did you guys want to add anything to that that statement? I would say, you know, that one of the hashtags that I thought was really powerful is Ben Solo is us. Cause, and that really shows how powerful this, this character was to people that they see themselves as Ben Solo, that they have seen themselves as the ugly duckling and all they want to be is included and declared as I say beautiful, but um, declared as part uh, you know, belonging. So I would just say <laughs> when you talk to people who are depressed about Ben, remember that they are, they are seeing part of themselves on that screen. They are, they are seeing part of their hopes for themselves being taken away. And that is the tragedy that goes beyond the story um, is the the personal escape that you were putting on a character yeah and i can guarantee tragic endings can really mess you up because i listened yeah. to the entire hadestown soundtrack on friday night and i won't spoil it for anybody but i sat in my bed for like an hour and a half just staring blankly at the wall because i was yeah depressed. yeah <laughs> it, it is and I mean, it was like did I expect that my night would go that way? No, but I was so moved by the story. And then I get to the end and I'm like, whoa, yeah. I was like, it was a great story. But I, I, I kind of knew from the get go, I should have seen it coming. I should have known it was coming, but it doesn't make it any easier. It doesn't make it easier that it's a fictional tale. It's a tragedy, but it moves you in a way you don't expect. And you, and you can't help but feel sad. You know, if we all could just feel happy, we'd flip the switch and go on our, our live long day. Like, yeah, want to feel like this. Sometimes it's it's not a choice. You know, right. there are some people that can move on and kudos to them. But then there are some people who, who can't. So I just like you said, I think we just need to be understanding and patient with each other and realize and offer the offer hope to everyone, no matter where they are. Like your fate is not Ben Solo's fate, and there is hope for you, just as there is hope for Ben Solo. So let's press on together. And just the same way I said, let's remember the tells that did give us encouragement and did show that someone could resurrect, like Ahsoka, like Gandalf, like you know, you know with like Han. I mean, just all of these examples that show that no one is ever really gone no exactly one. exactly now we're going to turn to the importance of, of fairy tales and we've, we've already gotten right into it and i think this is the, the perfect time to really dig down into more of the psychological elements of, of a fairy tale and we're going to kind of approach it from from two different directions we'll approach it from the creator george lucas and we'll also also approach it from a, a psychology perspective uh, regarding this uh, article that came out from Telegraph in 2018, and it featured an interview with Sally Goddard Blythe, who is the director of the Institute of Neurophysiological uh, Psychology and the author of The Genius of Natural Childhood, Secrets of Thriving Children. So let's start with Lucas first. And this was a quote that, again, he gave in that, in that book, Skywalking, that came out. George says, Children get the message. They know eventually they'll have to leave home, take risks, submit to trials, learn to control their emotions, and act like adults. What they don't know is how to do these things. Star Wars shows them. 
And then he also says, children see life as a never-ending series of challenges and obstacles. Luke grows up and realizes his potential. It's a ray of hope for kids who fear there'll always be little forever. So what Star Wars is truly telling us is through the hero or the heroine, kids can figure out that they may walk the similar paths as these heroes. They may face these obstacles. They may face these challenges. They may turn to the dark side, even temporarily, but they realize at the end of the path, it'll be okay. It'll be fine. They'll make it through just like Luke Skywalker did. And that's why I think some, you know, could be potentially troubling that Ben Solo died is because in just some regards to these sort of redemptive arcs that we keep getting where the, the redeemer is dying. I kind of wonder what that teaches our children. Like, you know, shouldn't we be teaching the children that you can redeem yourself from your past mistakes and live? Like you don't always have to die. So I think that's kind of where you get into some trouble with these stories. But what do you guys think of these, of of these quotes from, from Lucas? I mean, he's, he's really saying that star Wars again, isn't just a movie. It's actually showing the upcoming generation, how, to choose between right and wrong and how to set up their own sort of moral and ethical principles in life. It, it gets so simplistic in a new hope to show a character like Han be all about the money. And then at the end, he basically says, screw it and comes back and saves his friends. Um, it, it gets that simplified. You know, it's not all about the money. It's not all about the greed. It's not all about fame and glory and, and this and that. Like, he came back because he truly cared about his friends. And, like, I, I, I find it hard to find other things to say about that. But it, it's, it's so profound. Um, when you start picking, picking it apart in that way. And that is what everyone can understand. Not just, not just kids, um, but adults too, as far as kids are concerned, you know, you can't help, but be struck by something like a fantasy, like star Wars. And then, if there's just one kid out there who grew, who gets to be of adult age, like 18, 19, 20, and is put up against something of having to either choose his friends or her friends or money, and they remember that Han chose his friends. Like, if they can, and then chooses his friends, or, like, chooses what's more important, then... That whole entire film, George Lucas himself has succeeded. And another None character of that too. Probably made sense, but <laughs> no, it, it made complete sense. It made complete yeah, sense. Lando, That's Lando, the same character. thing. Yeah. Look, I mean, he was trying to, yeah, save his own butt, and also, you know, his the you know people he was entrusted to. But again, like he he chose to help his friends in the end. Yeah character like leia shows us that no matter yeah. what happens to you you can always maintain hope yeah character like finn you even if you're brought up a certain way in a certain environment you can break free of that character like rose you can lose your whole family much like leia yep. but you can still fight for what's right and you can fight for a better future 
Mm-hmm. One of my favorite quotes about all of this is from G.K. Chesterton. And Chesterton was the one that uh, in the early 1900s wrote a huge um a huge essay on the importance of fairy tales, so much so that Tolkien and C.S. Lewis uh, allude to him so much. <laughs> They're like, we don't know. Like C.S. <laughs> Lewis actually said, I don't know where my thoughts began and, and Chesterton's ended because <laughs> they basically borrowed so much of what Chesterton had to say about fairy tales. But he said, fairy tales do not tell children that dragons exist. Children already know that dragons exist. Fairy tales tell children that dragons can be killed. Dragons being uh, what Campbell says are the things that hold you down. The things that prevent you from getting the treasures in life. And that you have to kill your dragon or you will never get to the the treasures that the dragon is hoarding. We see that with Bilbo. And we see that with uh, Eustace and the Voyage of the Dawn Treader. We see that over and over again where the dragon is hoarding the, what we, we need to get. Well, that's what children, that's why we have fairy tales is to encourage children to be brave. In those moments where you have to face your own dragon, be brave and do what is right. Do right, do what is right, and and what we have taught you, and the morality that we have taught you, because basically that is the origin of fairy tales. Fairy tales were were taught told to teach kids morality. Now sometimes that was messed up <laughs> <laughs> reality, like you know you talked about how fairy tales, the original version of the Ugly Duckling, is probably not for children's ears. Well, a lot of the original fairy tales, like Cinderella. Snow White, uh, Rapunzel, (laughs) all of those are, all of those, uh, an adult should probably know that they should go with Disney and then go back to the origins when you're a teenager adult because it will, it will mess with people. But, um, this is what fairy tales are is to instill morality and principles and virtues that a child can reflect upon. Like when he sees um, someone being mean to him or his friend, he can remember Luke Skywalker and say, instead of firing back at this person and being hateful and angry, what I'm going to do is I'm going to show compassion to this bully. I'm going to stand up for my friend. I'm going to stand up for myself. And if it becomes too overpowering, I'm going to get an adult to step in for us. I mean, those are dragons that that children face over and over and you can have that discussion with with a child as an adult say okay what does luke skywalker teach you and why is that good to show compassion etc cetera, etc cetera. it's just there is so much discussion that we need to have with watching star wars and with children and discuss what what can be taught through these fairy tales these modern myths that we have right now mm-hmm the fairy tales teach us how to slay the dragon. You, like you said, right. not that dragons exist. And yeah. and I think that is the importance of Star Wars. It tells us that there is evil in the world. If we want to translate it, you know, one for one, evil is in the world. Star Wars tells us how to fight it or how to or how to save love, you know. So from from the perspective of Rose, so that that is important. You know, this the kinds of stories that get told in the Star Wars universe do have implications. Yeah. If we're 
again, it's the difference between reading the original version of The Ugly Duckling and maybe the more lighthearted kid version of The Ugly Duckling to your child. Like, which one do you want to show them at a young age? So depending on how the stories within Star Wars are pre- are presented, it could have serious psychological implications for a kid yeah. growing up. And even for an adult, as we've seen, a lot of adults, myself included, are grappling with with the the kind of ending I, that I wanted that I didn't necessarily get. And that's tough. And it takes a little bit to get through that. I'm not hating on the movie for ridiculous reasons, similar to what happened after Last Jedi. I'm just, I'm kind of feeling a certain way because of, uh, again, like how these stories actually truly affect us. Not for, not for like, you know, technical reasons like we've been talking about earlier in the podcast. We're not trying to dissect the magic and point out the flaws in it. We're just trying to make sense of the fairy tale that's being told. Well, and you're, People who feel like they didn't get the fairy tale are validated. Chris 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 Terrio said that outright in a article on IndiaWire.com. He says, "I think George would be the first to say that a fairy tale ending would be a naive way to think about this galaxy forever, and that's why they did not give the Rise of the Skywalker a fairy tale ending." So, and we've, we've heard so many stories of kids being confused by where did Ben Solo go? What is the point of him returning? If, you know, he did good and return, what is the point dad? Or what is the point mom? Mm -hmm. So it all has to be on, like you said, the parent really has to look at the, the tell and ask themselves, is my parent, is my child developmentally ready to talk about this, to talk about how Ben Solo could come back and why he didn't come back <laughs> in this movie. Yeah. You know, what is what is the message that they're sending? I'm not saying that it's a good or bad thing. I'm just saying it is what it is and it is the direction that the filmmakers decided to take. Yeah. And to be very, very clear too, if there there is also the opposite side of things where people may be very uplifted by Ray's story and that, exactly. you know, for somebody out there, that fairy tale ending might suit their needs perfectly. And there might be yeah. a little kid out there who sees Ray's, Ray's ending and really attaches to it in some way. So that that's totally possible. We're just, we're simply speaking from our, from our own perspective, yes. but yes. it's not, it's not right. It, we're not right or wrong. It's just no. kind of what we've been experiencing. You know, I want to make that very clear, but yeah. um, and everyone's that's the experience everyone's experience is different and that is real world grief um so many people and and emerson and i we 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 made the decision as a team to have it spoiled for us because so many people were coming to, to us after the premiere like oh my god oh my oh my god so we you know we we were going to take a step back and go dark but then you know we're like people are coming to us grieving right now we gotta we gotta help, <laughs> gotta <them>. help. <laughs> it's over a thousand messages we got yeah. um, all, all over the place youtube email twitter tumblr insta i mean it was all over the place coming out of the woodwork and so we we spoiled ourselves um and so our grief over the the situation um you know, we had to deal with that differently than and than a lot of people, but that doesn't negate the fact that it was a type of grief. Even I dealt with mine differently and much quicker than Emrys did. Um, 
but everyone's was different. And that's neurological. Like we kept saying to people, do not let people make fun of you or uh, talk down to you about you're grieving a fictional character because your mind does not know the difference. Neurologically, your brain is looking at a screen and seeing a real life human being um, die, mm-hmm. quote unquote, die, perish, fade away. And then there's no uh, closure to that either. So you you become sad. And you have all these feelings. Your brain is recognizing that as grief. So what is it doing? It is sending the stages of grief on your way. And you are yeah. handling that just like you would handle it. Anyone else um, in your life perishing in such a way. So exactly, you're going to have to go through that. And there ain't no rhyme or reason to it. <laughs> you could hit anger and go right on into uh uh, denial and then flip right back to anger like there's no <laughs> yeah. rhyme or reason to it you yeah. are going to hit some stages regress to different stages move on into like skip a couple like you are going to have to take as long as you need to get over this because and mm-hmm. it's going to be different it's going to be different like i said i got over mine pretty quickly emrys it took a little longer but that's not right or wrong it is what it is and <laughs> There's no making fun of it. It is neurological. Mm-hmm. Your brain does not recognize it's fake. It took me about probably till last week or two weeks ago when I was like, all right, I'm good. Yeah. You know, it's like a full month. That's a <laughs> that full month. Too- yeah, over a month. <laughs> you know, it takes a while for these things, you know, yeah. and, and we've we've attached ourselves to these characters for five years, but the story for 42 years yeah. So, you know, combine what could be perceived as the flaws of the movie with the ending of a of a franchise. It's like a it was like it was a recipe for discourse no matter what. And it, it was people really have trouble grappling with endings. It's too finite sometimes. But the great yeah, thing is that we're gonna get a lot of other Star Wars stories in our lives very yeah, soon. Like you said, there were there were people who loved Ray's story. Like you look at those pictures of the little Rays out there hugging Daisy Ridley at the premiere of the rise of Skywalker. And even at the after party and continuing to do so, you have our friend um, on the star Wars refuge channel. And she made a beautiful video about how much, story through the rise of Skywalker meant to her. So I think it is important to look at another perspective and see, like you said, Brad, the, the, how this story did positively impact our friends and community out there because yeah. it did. I think we should not turn a blind eye to that. We should open our ears and our eyes up and go, this movie is important to people. Just if we're saddened by it, that's one thing, but people also take refuge in it. And that's a beautiful thing as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's all about the conversation and I love seeing other people's tweets and I'm like, okay, I didn't really think of that particular scene or that particular line in that fashion. And now I'm maybe changing my tune on it a little bit. Yeah, And that's, that's part of it. You know, it's, again, it's not the name calling. It's not the, it's just a movie chill out. That's not the kind of discourse. It's the, here's what I love about the movie. 
oh, that's really interesting, you know. So that's 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 the kind of conversation that really really is positive and uplifting for the community as a whole. You're so right, Emerus, yes. and I think it is really important to acknowledge that this movie did mean a lot to a lot of people, and it was a fairy tale ending, and we are simply just presenting one perspective. Yeah, yeah. Like what I said about Chris Terrio, I I, I I'm sorry if it caused a negative. <laughs> But I I think, you know, I think what he's trying to say is I didn't go the idealistic Disney route because I was trying to add more gravitas to Mm -hmm. the story. But that doesn't mean that the story isn't positive or beautiful for other people. Um, It means that uh, some of this gravitas has hurt part of our community. But that doesn't mean that we can't be uplifted by it as well. It is, Mm -hmm. you know, everything has a pro and, and con to it and everything has its own beauty. And the only way we can get past is to open ourselves up to the community and be teachers and learners at the same time exactly and, and speaking speaking more on the on the power of fairy tales i'll go now to the the final quote from goddard blythe who is a psychologist that i mentioned she says the important thing to remember is that children take on these stories at the developmental level they are capable of in fairy tales it's always clear that this isn't the real world the characters might be from unfamiliar to the child but the problems and the feelings that are dealt with are themselves often very true to life. So again, even though it's a fictional death of a character, the actual problems that Ben Solo deals with, the actual things that he feels are very, very real. Yeah. Very real. That's the key right there. That's why people are either hurt or positively uplifted by these films is because the things that our characters struggle with help us ourselves to articulate our own feelings and to understand our own experiences. That's like one of the most, I think this quote is great and it really speaks to why star Wars is important. It's not just a casual film that you watch one time. It's something that you digest over and over and over. It's the, it's why Emerus can't watch it before bed. Cause she's up all night no. thinking about it. No, yeah. It's, it's something that really moves us. <laughs> <laughs> truly, truly incredible. To, to wrap up the, the show here, I want to mention one note from one of our very, very consistent listeners, May Raylo. Hello, May. So happy that you're supportive of the show. And she sent us a message and she said, one of my favorite quotes from C.S. Lewis is, since it is so likely that children will meet cruel enemies, let them at least have heard of brave knights and heroic courage. Otherwise, you are making their destiny not brighter, but darker. That's the quote. And then she says, an entire generation grew up with the messages of hope, heroism, love, redemption, and courage with the first Star Wars trilogy. They loved it so much, they shared it with their children, who now share it with their children. Courage, bravery, sacrifice, redemption, love, and hope are the foundation of Star Wars. And regardless of how I feel about Tross as a whole, bits and pieces of those themes are at the heart of that story, as they are in every Star Wars story. That's why it's a fairy tale to me. Yes. So thank you for that message. That was that was really awesome Thanks, to read when I first got that. That was dope. <laughs> <laughs> and dropping the C.S. Lewis quote in there. I mean, if you haven't read the Chronicles of Narnia, oh boy. Woo. I have um, to actually revisit those books wait. at some point. I can't wait future. until Netflix releases all their stuff because, oh. oh my God, when Emma started talking about Voyage of the Dawn Treader and Eustace and the dragon, I'm just like, oh my God, so much content. <laughs> oh, I, I get really excited. excited. 
and yeah. read G.K. G.K. Chesterton's Orthodoxy. If you want to go full-fledged philosophical opinion of the importance of fairy tales, then read G.K. Chesterton because he'll blow your mind. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's why C.S. Lewis wrote what he wrote, and it is because he realized, you know, fairy tales aren't just for children. They're for all of us. It's like, do you have... I the I do you have the patience of an adult to look past the simplistic and actually get to the meat of the fairy tale you're watching because there's meat there there's a whole banquet of thought there yeah speaking That's of voyage of the dawn treader <laughs> so excited so excited and, and and to wrap up here we're gonna have some closing thoughts before we close out the show and this is such a good episode so far I'm like. I'm gonna I'm gonna answer email hours again, guys. What do we do? What did we do? I'll try my best though. We'll, we'll, I'll get to sleep soundly tonight. But Lucas, back when they were making Return of the Jedi, or as it was called then, Revenge of the Jedi, there was a conference transcript from 1981. This was in the the making of Return of the Jedi by J.W. Rinsler. There was a conversation between Lawrence Kasdan and, and George Lucas, and Kasdan kept coming up with these different characters that George should kill and Kazan's like, okay, I'll kill Yoda. And Lucas is like, I don't want to kill Yoda. You don't have to kill people. You're a product of the 1980s. You don't just yes. go around killing people. It's not nice. I just think that's so funny. <laughs> Reading, if you think about that in George Lucas's voice, like, oh, you're, you're a product of the 1980s. You don't go around killing people. And <laughs> Lucas says by killing somebody, you could alienate the audience. And that and, and Kazan argues that it might have more emotional weight that way. And then Lucas says, I always hated that in movies. Yes. This is a fairy tale. You want everybody to live happily ever after and nothing bad happens to anybody. The whole point of the film, the whole emotion of, that I'm trying to get at the end of this film is for you to be real uplifted emotionally and spiritually and feel absolutely good about life. That is the greatest thing we could all possibly ever do. Yes, yes, yes. That's what I think that's such do. a huge quote to end on right here. Yeah. I was just going to enter you in the emo hours with, with this Perfect. one. Perfect. <laughs> and grab a bottle of wine after this. Yeah, right. And Drink no, responsibly. the journey doesn't end here. Death is just another path, one that we all must take. The gloomy rain curtain of this world rolls back and all turns to silver glass. And then you see it, white shores and beyond. A far green country under a swift sunrise. Why do you? Why? Why? Why you gotta do this to me? <laughs> That's a fairy tale. <laughs> Think of that. There, there's a reason why in the 70s people would wear T-shirts that says Frodo lives, because Frodo went to the Undying Lands. Yep. Where, where can Ben be? the world between worlds and that's why people are saying ben solo lives because he isn't dead he's just in the world between worlds ben solo lives just like frodo mm -hmm. just like Ahsoka. this is frodo lives 2020 like yes uh, yes yeah i wonder if i wonder if dave filoni made those Ahsoka live shirts based on the, the frodo lives shirts is that a thing that's happened I think so I, he's I, such a huge lord of the rings fan too yeah yeah i think so that would make a lot of sense did you know Doctor Who was inspired by the Chronicles of Narnia? I did not. Yeah, the wardrobe inspired the idea of the TARDIS, that a whole world huh? could be on a, a wardrobe. That's how the big blue box came out to being. It, it was inspired by the wardrobe. Wow. I yeah. didn't know that. It all comes from the same tree. 
It yeah. really does. And it, it. it it truly shows too, like what one fairy tale can can spawn for the next fairy tale. Yeah. You know what's Star Wars gonna what Star Wars going to give way to in the future? What's going to be the next great fairy tale of our generation? And I think that's why this story will be felt for generations. It's why, as 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 Mayrelo said, forever and ever and ever, we keep you know we share it with our children and the next group of children and the next group of children. And it's it's pretty fantastic. And I think Lucas hits the nail on the head. Is that you know you want we want to feel emotionally uplifted. We want to feel spiritual. We want to feel good about life. That's like all we ever want in life. That's what yeah. he, he says. And I think that's why fairy tales are those happily ever afters that we seek. It's because we deal with so much tragedy in our own lives. And we deal with so many problems in the world that maybe don't necessarily directly affect us, but we hear about it. We hear about it on the news. We hear about it through word of mouth. Sometimes it really can affect us. And the fairy tale is just one way for us to enter a theater, open up a book, click the play button on your couch, and you just enter a world where you don't know what you'll find. Could be elves, could be witches, could be magic, or it could be killer satellites, sophisticated torture devices, Death Stars, <laughs> space pirates, doomsday machines, as George Lucas said. It could be anything. And that's that's the beauty of, of the fairy tale. Yes. So home behind you, the world is ahead. Exactly. Sorry, it's my last it's my last tokenism. <laughs> <laughs> I love token. You you don't ever have to apologize for bringing up token because okay, we stand good. heavily, Mr. Tolkien. Yes. Also, rest in peace, Christopher Tolkien, who passed away oh. recently. So rest in peace to him. Very excited for the Lord of the Rings series and to continue that that work of that franchise. So to close shop here, I want to hear from each of you. Just a closing thought on fairy tales. And I also want to hear what your favorite fairy tale is outside of Star Wars. That's that's what I would like to close on. Can we have two? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. okay. I would just say um, Star Wars is so important to us. And just choose what you love about Star Wars. Go to the movies and the series and the stories that um, uplift you to hope in Star Wars because that's what fairy tales are. And there's just so many of those beautiful, beautiful stories in the Star Wars universe. So so focus on those. Um, my favorite fairy tale movie-wise would be Sleeping Beauty by the Disney uh the Disney movies and then literary it'd be the original little mermaid. It's heart wrenching, but it's heart wrenchingly beautiful and do not read it to your children. (laughs) (laughs) Noted. One of my favorite quotes about fairy tales is from Lewis Carroll who wrote uh, Alice in Wonderland. Actually the best gift you could have given um, sorry, actually, the best gift you could have given her was a lifetime of adventures. And that's what a fairy tale is. It's an adventure. Star Wars is an adventure. Lord of the Rings, Narnia, uh, Harry Doctor Potter, who. they're all... It's Doctor Who, uh, Sleeping Beauty, Beauty and the Beast, Snow White, it's all an adventure. And it's all... It's different for every single viewer and reader and watcher um, and listener. 
but that doesn't mean it's any less poignant. That's why it's so poignant because it means something different for everyone. And that's what I love about them. It, it transports you, it wraps you up for an hour or two or a lifetime. And I, it helps us become who we're meant to be in the world. I, I, I love fairy tales and I would have to say my, it's, it's really hard to pick just one. Um, as far as your standard fairy tales go, like your stereotypical ones, I would have to say tied at number one is Sleeping Beauty and Beauty and the Beast. Um, both of those uh, truly have have uh, special meaning to me, and I just I I love them both equally. As far as obviously, I I think Star Wars is the best space fantasy <laughs> out mm-hmm. there. Yeah, and. And of course, then uh, up there swirling around is is Lord of the Rings and the Chronicles of Narnia. Um, both of those being being more of the high fantasy genres, it, 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 nothing holds a candle to to them. It uh, it's so the world is just so huge, um, and it feels magnanimous when you're when you're reading it it's so the the mythos is so deep and you just really dive right in and you feel immersed and there's also something to say about about harry potter um and i know a lot of people have have issue with that but um being someone who has also loved lord of the rings and narnia when i read harry potter especially the first first six books (laughs) um then you of course have seven um but definitely up to six uh, that they were wonderfully written and especially book book three so i i I couldn't remember a time where I turned pages of a book faster to like get to the next page. And that was throughout like so good. It just, it just pulled you in and, and made you root for characters you didn't think you were going to root for from the beginning mm-hmm. of the series. Just, I love it. And that's what fantasy does. It just, it, you're able to steal away like, like Lucy and Narnia and go into a mm-hmm. cupboard enter this this realm for a little bit and you truly do forget all your problems because you have to worry about the problems your this characters these characters are going through yeah exactly but you want to to go on that journey with them it's there's nothing quite like it truly nothing like a good old-fashioned fairy tale and we will end it here with a quote from the Lord of the Rings, naturally. Yes. This is Bilbo talking to Frodo, and Bilbo says, it's a dangerous business, Frodo, going out your door. 
you step onto the road and if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you might be swept off to. Excellent, excellent quote from, from a genius man and an incredible, incredible story. So with that, that is the end of the show here. We've talked about fairy tales quite a bit and we've come to the, the end of the road. So thank you both for coming on the show today, Emerson and Luthien. This was such a great time. Thank you for and, having us. You know, maybe we can do a follow-up to this episode and talk even more about fairy tales in the context of some other characters. Who knows? I know we focus pretty heavily on Ben Solo, but he is our prince in this fairy tale. And we have yes. to talk about him because he's, he's just such a fan favorite right now. And he gives us so much hope. He gives me so much hope. And that's who I want to talk about on this podcast yep. with you. So before we kick out, where can our listeners find Girls with Sabres? You can find us mostly on YouTube, on just the Girls with Sabres channel on YouTube. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr, and Patreon. And we're also, our merchandise is on TeePublic right now as well. So come hang out and listen, and we, we'd love to have you in our community. They put so much work into their their videos so definitely go support them any possible way that you can they have an incredible logo as well so go buy those t-shirts it looks great i'm gonna have to get one at some point i will i promise it will happen (laughs) i'm gonna rep it at star wars celebration but again thank you both for coming on it's (laughs) such a great time having you here three friends talking about fairy tales and what better way to spend a thursday night before emo hours begin so with that that's it that's it for the show. Make sure, <laughs> Friends of the Force, wherever you're listening, give us five stars. Give us a review. Helps us out tremendously. You can follow us on Twitter at Friends of Force and on Instagram at Friends of the Force. If you ever want to send us a question or a voice message to be included on the show or just tell us how much you love me, you can send that to Friends of the Force Podcast at gmail.com. You can also join our Patreon starting at just $1 a month. And that includes audio commentaries, which will be starting up soon, as well as a bunch of other fun perks. Thank you to Aldranian Rose, Cheryl, Michael Condon, Neil Lowry, our newest patron, Rachel, Roll Farm Boy, and T. And we are also a part of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network, which aims at promoting positivity in the Star Wars fandom. So with that, thank you both again so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Brad. And until next time, everybody, we're all ones with the Force. We're all friends of the Force. And may the Force be with you always. <laughs> <laughs>